Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi there. I'm Drew. And one day, I decided to order a robot maid. Instead of the era I was expecting, I found a cute runaway girl. I went through a harrowing, traumatic experience when I was 12. I lost both my parents that day. And ever since then, I never wanted to go out. Okay, maybe sometimes I wanted to. But I just never was able to. See, I, I was deeply terrified of going outdoors. I just opened the front door, and immediately all I see was that day that I lost my parents, and I would panic. My heart would race, I'd get dizzy, and in extreme cases, I'd collapse on the floor. The noises, the crowds, every single little thing would drive my brain wild, and I would be engulfed in irrational, inescapable, overwhelming fear. I couldn't even take two steps outside that door. So, I stay indoors. I've been in self-isolation way before it was cool. I learned how to cook and take care of myself very early. I even took online classes before everyone had to do it. Everyone's new normal now has been my normal for years now. It was actually a bit comforting to see the world see things from my perspective for once. Because before the pandemic happened, my friends used to make fun of me. They were my childhood friends who I used to go to school with, and when my phobia began, they couldn't understand it. They poked fun at me. Once they even dragged me outside, I flailed and started screaming, and they just laughed and laughed, thinking it was a funny joke. How could anyone be that afraid of being outside, they thought. But then I fainted, and they just left me there, in the cold as they ran back to their houses. I had to crawl my way back up to my porch and inside through the door. I couldn't even bear to stand when the noises of the outside world overwhelmed my senses. I never saw those friends again. Sometimes I'd wake up to see that my windows and doors had been egged, or that some window panes were broken. I have a sneaking suspicion that it's them. They always love to rub it in that I'd become a weirdo in their eyes, and I should be punished for that. But... I couldn't help it. The only place I felt safe was indoors. It was lonely, but it was my reality. The only people I got to talk to were the people who came to clean outside. Or the pizza delivery guy I call in when I'm lazy to cook. Oh, and the old lady down the street who's kind enough to get groceries for me whenever she goes to the store. Dane slowly became my closest friend. He'd rock up to my door, carrying his pizza, and some nights he'd just stay and hang out. We ended up talking about a bunch of random things. He was very kind to me and didn't look down on me for my weirdness. Instead, he encouraged me. He helped me get used to being outside. But even through all his effort and patience, I only ever got to take seven steps before I could no longer bear it. But 
Dane never gave up on me. Instead, he focused on helping me have a wonderful life indoors. He even said one day, most people won't be leaving their houses. And wouldn't you know it? That's been true for a while now. Dane was actually the one who introduced me to the miracle of the era. He told me all about them. Of how they were supposed to get released years back, but the company's CEO shut down his whole operation. But now they were back. And in a couple of weeks, they were releasing their first batch. I badly wanted one. I mean, don't get me wrong, Dane was an awesome friend. And Nana Susan down the road was chatty whenever she dropped off my shopping. But it's not like I could date either of them. I just wanted to know what it felt like to have a girlfriend. And according to Dane, I could program the era to be more of a girlfriend and not a maid. So I ordered one. News of this somehow got to my old childhood friends. And one night, they drove up my driveway yelling and laughing, throwing things at my house. <laughs> you weirdo! Who orders a robot girlfriend? You're so pathetic! You freak! <laughs> you can't even get a real girl to talk to you, so you have to buy one! I had to pay double to have my house cleaned the next day. Every inch of my door and windows were covered in rotten eggs and vegetables. They even teepeed the old willow that grew in the garden. But I didn't let it get to me. They can ridicule me all they want. I was always safe inside. And I was just so excited to meet my very first girlfriend. When the package came, it took three men to bring the box in. As soon as they went away, I rushed to open the box. The moment I saw her, I froze. She was so beautiful. I saw the photos of how she would look like, but I never imagined she would look... so real. Her skin was soft and smooth, and she... snored? The attention to detail was insane. You'd never think she was only synthetic and made of silicone. Then she opened her eyes and screamed. What? What's happening? Get away! Get away from me! The girl jumped out of the box, ran to my door, and grabbed one of my umbrellas. Stay away from me! What's happening? Are you... defective? Just come here. I'll factory reset you. Factory? What the... I'm not a robot! Uh, what? But I ordered a... a Wait a second. Ah, fudge! They got the wrong address! That was how I met Nora. I ordered a robotic girlfriend, and I ended up with a stowaway girl. She stayed at my place for a few weeks, but whenever I asked her where she came from and why she had run away, she shot me an angry look and she'd run upstairs to her room. Other than that, it was a lovely time. She told me all about the outside world and her adventures, and I'd tell her about my small three-bedroom world and my past. Even Dane took a liking to her, and he'd often bring his girl around so we could all hang out together. See, I didn't get the dream robotic girlfriend I wanted, but I did get a lovely, bubbly girl who lived with me. We watched movies together, ate Dane's pizzas together, and she went with Nana Susan to shop every now and again. They were all just happy that I finally had someone for company. And Nora told me she was happy to feel like she'd belong somewhere. That was what triggered me to ask her a question that made her really angry. Why? Did you not feel like you belonged where you used to live? Nora just kept eating her pizza and kept her eyes glued to the TV. I just want to know. I know you don't like talking about it, but... I've told you everything about me. I just want to know your story, too. Drop it. Please, Nora. I said drop the subject. And then, the TV show suddenly cut off. Instead, the whole thing was interrupted by a sudden newscast. We interrupt your regular programming to bring you this distressing news. It's been brought to our attention that the daughter and heiress to the heir of fortune has disappeared. Father and CEO of Holo Synthetics, Aaron Fielding, is live now with our correspondent, Phil McCann. Phil, take it away. 
We thought she'd only gone away for one of her adventures. She usually takes the jet without saying anything. But after a week or two, she'd come home. But this time, she hasn't. And we don't know where she is. None of her friends know. Please. If you're out there, Nora... The TV clicked and the screen went black. I saw the look on her face and it dawned on me. How many Noras do I know? And how many Noras do I know who suddenly turned up inside a box produced by Holosynthetics? Why'd you run away? That was the first time I saw her cry. She said she was lonely. She said she felt overlooked. That her dad was always so busy and never had time for her. All he cared about was his robots. And so, she ran. But I knew it wasn't right. She may make my life infinitely more bearable, and she brings me so much happiness. But I can't let her do that. I can't let her just disappear and not let her father know that she was alright. You have to go. You have to tell him. I don't want to. You have to, Nora. He's worried sick. Didn't you see him? He looks like he hasn't had a wink of sleep. He's worried sick, Nora. Maybe he hasn't shown it well enough, but I know he loves you. Who in the world wouldn't love you? Nora kissed me. I can't leave you here. Then I'll come with you. You can't. Your phobia. If I can't do it now, for the girl I love, I won't ever be able to do it. So I stumbled outside, tightly gripping Nora's hands, wanting so bad to reunite her with her family. Dane drove us, and I kept my eyes closed the whole time. I could barely speak straight when we finally got to Mr. Fielding's mansion. All I could remember was that there was a lot of crying and hugging. Nora and I eventually got married. That was after I was all over the news for rescuing and bringing back the famous robotics heiress. Now, I live in a mansion Nora's dad bought for us, and I'm surrounded by a bunch of robot maids and therapists that help me get comfortable with slowly going out more. Dane and his girlfriend and Nana Susan visit us often, and when I can manage it, we have picnics outside. Funny thing is, those old friends who used to bully me about being weird and not being able to go out, they've been trying to call me, asking for freebies or robot giveaways. They kept saying how jealous they were that I got married to an heiress. I sent them all a box from Holosynthetics. Inside were rotten eggs and vegetables. So there I was at this swanky restaurant, all geared up for my blind date. You're going to have a great time, my friend had assured me. Just relax, Ethan. But as I waited at the table, my heart wasn't in it. I hadn't signed up for this circus of dating, but then again, it was high time I at least tried to have a normal life. Just as I was contemplating escaping through the kitchen, I heard a voice that sent chills down my spine. It was raspy, tinged with the faintest hint of something vaguely familiar. Something that made my stomach twist. Ethan, I looked up and froze. There she was, Amelia. The woman I'd loved. The woman who killed me in another life. Looking as radiant as the day I'd last seen her. A Amelia! What are you doing here? I'm your date. Surprised? That's an understatement. I muttered, trying to keep my tone light. But I could feel my heart pounding in my chest. A blind date with Amelia. So, Ethan, tell me about yourself. Oh, there's not much to tell, really. Just your average guy making a living. And relationships. How do you feel about them? Depends on the relationship. For instance, how do you feel about dating someone while you're already in a relationship? I beg your pardon? I mean, isn't Ashton your boyfriend? He is, but... He... But he doesn't pay attention to me. And that justifies cheating? No, it doesn't. But it's complicated. Isn't it always? I think it's better if we end this here, Amelia. Wait, Ethan, I... No, Amelia, you should go back to Ashton. Or maybe find someone else. Someone who actually deserves you. With that, I walked out of the restaurant, leaving her behind. And as I walked, my heart pounded with a new resolution. I would take down Ashton. Not just for me, but for Amelia as well. Ethan? Claire's voice resonated with an unforeseen gravitas as I picked up the phone. Mom, what's up? We need to talk about your position in the Sullivan Empire. You know I'm just an investor, right? 
Ashton is the one gearing up to take over. I'm aware, but I've been keeping tabs on you, Ethan. I see potential, resilience, qualities that this empire needs. What do you mean? Ethan, I've decided to transfer a portion of my shares in the company to you. Ashton? Ashton had his chance. It's time we explore other options. The survival of our investments, our legacy, depends on it. Dumbstruck, I scrambled to process the gravity of her words. This was a game changer. Thank you, Mom. I'll... I'll do my best. I believe in you, Ethan. Make us proud. With that, the call ended. The revelation hit me like a bolt of lightning. I wasn't merely an investor anymore. I was a substantial shareholder in the Sullivan Empire, with enough clout to challenge Ashton. The prospect was daunting, yet exhilarating. I could almost see the storm brewing, ready to sweep Ashton off his feet. He had no inkling of what was coming his way. It was time for a change, and I was at the helm of it. Man, have you heard the latest stock report? Brad, now my best friend and confidant, called me up one morning, his voice teetering between excitement and disbelief. Why, what happened? I asked, attempting to hide the amusement in my voice. By now, my carefully calculated moves were starting to yield results. Sullivan Empire shares! They're soaring, Ethan! It's like someone just pumped a whole lot of life into that sinking ship! That's interesting. You don't understand, Ethan! This is massive! Whoever is behind this, they've practically taken over the Empire! All the major decisions now, they're being made by this... this unknown entity. With a smirk, I leaned back in my chair, letting the silence linger between us. The pieces of the puzzle were finally falling into place. But isn't Ashton? Ashton had a shot, man, and he blew it. Spectacularly, I might add. But Ethan, that... that would mean... you? Right in the bullseye, old friend. I'm now the new power player of the Sullivan Empire. You're... you're incredible, Ethan! You did it! You really did it! Still a long way to go, Brad. But the ship's course has been corrected. And Ashton, he's gonna get a taste of his own medicine. I'm with you all the way, Ethan. Ashton won't know what hit him. I ended the call, a newfound determination stirring within me. My past life as Mason, a cog in the wheel of the Sullivan Empire, now seemed like a distant memory. Claire and I, as substantial shareholders, had taken the reins, and with my strategic planning, the Sullivan Empire was finally seeing a resurgence. It felt good, not just the power and wealth, but the vindication. I'd returned as a powerful CEO, the Empire almost within my grasp. The once dismissive glances in the boardroom were now replaced by looks of respect. And Ashton, his unease was palpable, his position threatened. The prodigal son was finally home, and the reckoning was only just beginning. Listen, Ashton, I understand there's been some misunderstandings lately. Is that what you call it, Ethan? I've been hearing quite a lot about you lately. Really? I'm flattered. Sarcasm doesn't suit you, Ethan. This isn't a game. This is business. You've been disrupting the chain of command. I disagree, Ashton. I think I've been... improving things. Don't you find it a little more exciting now? Exciting isn't what I'd call it. You're turning the company upside down. And for what? To prove a point? No, Ashton. I'm not here to prove a point. I'm here to make a difference. A difference you've been unable to make all these years. The line went silent for a moment, air thick with tension. Watch your tone, Ethan. This isn't some petty squabble. You're playing with fire. And you've been sitting on a powder keg. You've been comfortable for too long, Ashton. Maybe it's time someone stirred the pot. Is that a threat? No, Ashton. It's a promise. See, while you've been sitting on your ivory tower, I've been doing what's needed. And the funny thing is, your loyal staff, they seem to prefer my leadership. You're a snake, Ethan. But remember, you're playing in my territory. No, Ashton. I believe it's your relatives who are playing in my territory now. The ones who thought they could simply discard me? Funny how things turn out, isn't it? The silence that followed was almost deafening, but the satisfaction I felt was immeasurable. Ashton and his clan, they were mere puppets now, dancing to my tune. They had thrown me out, and now, I was their boss. The hunter had become the hunted. Ashton's power was waning, and mine was just starting to rise. Listen, Ashton, there's something else you should know. Really? More tricks up your sleeve? No tricks, Ashton. Just the truth. And trust me, the truth can be far more dangerous. Get to the point, Ethan. I know about the Ethan Project. What are you talking about? Oh, you know very well what I mean. The little experiment you thought you could keep hidden? Did you really think I wouldn't find out? Ashton was silent, and I could almost feel the wheels turning in his mind. 
You're lying, am I? Would you like to take that chance, Ashton? Because I'm more than willing to play this game. Remember, Ashton, every action has consequences, and it seems like it's time for you to face yours. With that, I hung up, leaving Ashton with his thoughts. The truth was out, the game had changed, and now it was my turn to lead. The phone buzzed again, this time with Brad's caller ID flashing. I answered on the first ring. Brad, we need to talk. Well, good evening to you too, Ethan. Something tells me Ashton's conversation didn't go too well. You could say that. I told you, didn't I? Snake can't change his scales. Enough with your proverbs, Brad. We need to plan our next moves. Right. Sullivan Empire. I've been doing some digging. There's a board meeting in two weeks. That's our chance. Then that's when we'll strike. We're playing with fire here, Ethan, Brad warned. If this goes sideways, it won't. We have to be smart about this, Brad. Play our cards right. Brad sighed on the other end of the line. All right, I trust you. A hefty sigh spilled out of me as I settled into my plush office chair. Ashton's turned into a slippery eel, Brad. I can't seem to get the upper hand. That's the thing about eels. Slippery they might be, but they're still confined to their pawns. Ashton's pawn seems to be expanding by the minute. If we don't act now, we will. You know, I've been looking into the operations of the Sullivan Empire. A lot of deals, a lot of contracts, but there are a lot of weaknesses too. Weaknesses? Yeah. You see, Ashton's been playing fast and loose with the company finances. There's a particular deal with a tech firm, suspiciously overvalued. Which one? Hawkeye Tech. Ashton's been shoving funds their way for a project that's still theoretical at best. And that's our chance. We expose the deal. Ashton's credibility is shot. The board will have no choice but to reconsider their loyalties. 100%. But Ethan, this is risky. If Ashton even sniffs that we're onto him, I know. But it's a risk we have to take. Ashton's greed is his weakness. And it's about time we exploited it. The conversation extended into the night, with Brad and me brainstorming strategies and countermeasures, hypothetical situations and potential challenges. As the minutes rolled into hours, a concrete plan started to take shape. A risky plan yes, but a plan nonetheless. I'd always known that this battle would be uphill, but tonight, it seemed like I'd found my footing. For the first time since my return, I felt in control. I leaned back in my chair, my mind whirling with the upcoming events. One thing was clear. Ashton had messed with the wrong man, and now, it was time to show him what it meant to cross paths with me. As the city skyline basked in the glow of the moon, I couldn't help but smile. The board meeting was going to be a game changer, and Ashton wouldn't know what hit him. The night was heavy with anticipation, the impending clash echoing in the silence. But as I closed my eyes, a single thought overwhelmed the rest. Ashton Sullivan, your downfall is coming. My name's Sam. I met Elise in middle school. She was our neighbor, and I'd always had a crush on her. I just never got the courage up to say hi. That day, a group of boys were picking on me, and Elise swooped in to save the day. One moment, they had me by my collar, and the next, they were crying on the floor, snot dripping down their noses. Elise was my hero. She got told off by our principal, and they had her parents come in. I could tell they were very mad at her. But that was the beginning of our friendship. Elise and I spent every day together. And then, one day, I asked her to be my girlfriend. She said yes. It was the happiest day in my life. But I didn't realize someone else liked her. It was one of the boys who was tormenting me. And in his jealousy, he told everyone he saw us kissing. That made Elise's parents very mad. So mad that they had a fight with my parents. They ended up moving, and I never even got to say goodbye to my childhood sweetheart. One day, she was there. The next, her whole house was empty. Many years passed, and I forgot about her. I poured my soul into my work, until I struck gold. Pretty much literally. I was working on my grandpa's farm when I noticed some gold nuggets in the river. I followed it all the way to a hidden cave and saw that the cave wall had collapsed and the ground had cracked, exposing the gold there. A spring of water was gushing out, creating a stream that carried the loose gold all the way down the river. I became a billionaire overnight. My family enjoyed life like we never did before. We bought all the surrounding land around the farm and built a mansion. I built a mining company, and I bought cars, a boat, and my own jet. Three years later, my best friend came home from a job abroad with someone in tow. It was Elise. 
She had grown even more beautiful than before. We were so happy to see each other, we hugged immediately. I was coming home to meet you, and guess who I bumped into on the plane? I never even suspected something was off. Elise and I began dating again. We did everything together. I promised her the world, and before long, we were engaged. Jay started working for my company. I was so thankful to him I made him my right-hand man. I couldn't thank him enough for reuniting me and Elise. Two months later, I proposed to Elise, and she said yes. I was going to marry her in Switzerland. I booked an entire ski resort for our guests, and I wasted no time. We flew on my private jet with my best man Jay and our closest friends. In the middle of the flight, Elise excused herself. She said she needed to do her makeup. Five minutes later, J2 stood up. I found that weird, but I ignored it. When 20 minutes had passed and Elise hadn't gone back yet, I asked our flight attendant to check on her. She smiled at me, and she blushed. I always found it so cute how she had a crush on me. Nicole went behind the curtain to check on Elise. She was about to knock on the bathroom door when she yelped in surprise. Elise wasn't in the bathroom at all. She was hiding right next to the fridges, talking with Jay. Oh, I'm sorry to disturb you. I I'll get out of your way. We heard a click, and two voices came on the speakers. You know I've never loved anyone but you. I'm just... You know, securing our future. Once I marry Sam, we'll be set for life. I'll run away with his money and his jewels, and then we can disappear to any country you want. You promise? I promise, baby. I'm only marrying him for a show. I'll trick him into signing divorce papers as soon as I've got everything I can get from him. I believe you. Oh, I can't wait. And when you're free of him, I can finally make my move to take over his company, too. I have people who are loyal to me now. All right, I'll come knock at your door tonight. When he's asleep, we can go on a date under the moonlight so no one will know. I'll be expecting you. Oh, and act like we had an argument when you go out. I'll follow after a minute so it's not too obvious. But nothing was secret about their conversation at all. The flight attendant overheard what they were talking about, and she decided she wasn't just going to smile and pretend like nothing was happening. So, she politely excused herself and very cunningly left the intercom on. I heard everything she was saying. The whole plane did. The air suddenly felt tense. Where before my friends and I were laughing and having fun, the moment Jay appeared from behind those curtains, everyone was silent. My friends all glared at him. And when Elise appeared behind him, she knew immediately something was wrong. But she tried to play it cool. Oh! Jay, I didn't even see you there. Why are you standing in the middle of the aisle? And... Why is everyone staring? I pushed the button on my seat, and the flight attendant came to me. I smiled at her. You can come sit here, Nicole. The flight attendant looked surprised at first, but she eventually sat beside me. She was even more beautiful up close, and her blonde hair smelled like lavender. Could you confirm, please, Nicole, that these were the two having that conversation we just heard? Nicole nodded. Conversation? What conversation? What are you talking about? There's no need to pretend. We heard you. We all heard you. Elise's face changed from being innocent to angry. Okay, so what? Did you honestly think I'd ever fall for you? Look at you. Now look at me. You're nothing compared to me. All you're good for is money. I've been with your best friend ever since before we reunited. In fact, he was the one who told me you were rich now. It's not like you can do anything about it. You are going to fall, and you're going to fall hard. I'm just here to take what I can get before you're a homeless beggar in the streets. I just smiled. I gestured to Nicole to help me with something. Nicole, love, would you be so kind as to fetch Elise her... Uh, I mouthed the word, 
parachute. Nicole was confused, but she nodded anyway and disappeared behind the curtain. Get me a what? I don't need anything. Honestly, just get over it already. You're toast. Elise tried to sit next to me, but I pushed her away, to the other end of the seats. What? You can't seriously be mad at me. You should be thanking me. It's a privilege you get to marry me. I laughed. There won't be a wedding, Elise. <laughs> oh, please. You're joking, right? You're gonna dump me? Me? Oh, I'm not just dumping you. I'm throwing you out of the plane. Fuel is very expensive, you see. And I just can't stand to have you waste any more of my time and money. So, I'm afraid this is your stop. Nicole appeared with the parachute. Jay looked scared. I looked at him and told him to put the chute on his girlfriend. He didn't want to, but I told him that if he wanted to keep his job and reputation, he should do everything I said. Just like that, Jay turned on Elise. He strapped the parachute on her as if his life depended on it. Elise resisted. But what could she do? No one in that plane wanted her there anymore. You're gonna regret this! Nobody's ever gonna want to date you! You think any girl would want you? Just you wait! You'll come crawling back to me! I don't think so. I took Nicole's hand and asked her if I could kiss her. Suddenly, her eyes lit up and she said yes. I kissed her right in front of Elise's shocked face. Wait! No, wait! I changed my mind! I, I, I do want to marry you! No, no, don't make me get off the plane! We can start over! No, please, don't leave me here! I don't have any money! I won't be able to get home! We're in the middle of nowhere, Sam! Sorry, you've got to go now. No, don't! And as Elise floated away, I called out to her. Who's falling now, Elise? Everyone laughed, and Nicole finally did as well. I knew the moment she started working on that jet that she had a thing for me. I just never really thought of it because I thought I was in love and happily engaged. But now? Now I get to date a much more beautiful girl than that gold digger. She was hardworking, ambitious, and smart, too. The wedding still went through. It was just postponed a few days. Not to Elise, obviously. I married Nicole. None of our guests complained. At least, they gotta stay three days longer in that ski resort. It took a while to get Nicole's parents and friends flown over since the decision was so spontaneous. But as soon as they did, I asked for their blessing, and Nicole and I got married in the Swiss Alps. After, we spent an entire month traveling Europe. We went to Rome, then Croatia, then Norway. And honestly, I couldn't have wished for a better wife. Nicole was everything I knew she was going to be. She was caring and sweet, and she always made me laugh. The best part of the trip was when we saw a newspaper with Elise's face plastered all over it. Her hair was all sorts of a mess and had leaves and twigs all over. The headlines said that she was a lost tourist who became a meme for telling the most ridiculous story when they found her. The funniest part was that she had stupidly opened her parachute way too early, and the wind carried her hundreds of miles from where we dropped her. She ended up stuck in a tree in a forest in Liechtenstein. The people there thought she was some sort of Russian spy and refused to help her. Nobody wanted to help her get home, and they didn't want to give her a job. Now she's living under a bridge like the troll that she is. I'm Henry, and when I was a little boy, I realized I wanted a different life from what I knew. I was sick of all the rules. Every morning, a maid would wake me up by throwing all the curtains wide open. I needed to be at the breakfast table with my parents at 7.30 on the dot. I would get driven to Eton, and there I'd have a private tutoring session. The only thing I looked forward to at school were my friends. At around lunchtime, we'd eat together, and then I got to join in on our classes for the afternoon. I know some people don't like boarding schools, but I wish my parents would let me board instead of driving every day. I wanted freedom, I guess. A lot of people talk about it like it was some sort of magical thing. I never knew what that was like. My every move has been watched by people my whole life. From the moment I came into this world, the media, the country, the whole world even. 
I just wanted a normal life. I fantasized about having a normal high school experience, like what you see in those Hollywood movies. So, with the help of my friends, I ran away. They climbed up to my window and busted me out of the palace. Jude drove us to a private hangar and they put a disguise on me. Jude handed a wad of cash to his dad's pilot. I hugged all three of them and said my goodbyes. And just like that, I was in the air and on my way to Los Angeles to live out the life I'd always dreamed of. The first thing I saw when we landed was my face on the front page of every newspaper. Prince goes missing, the headlines said. Lucas arranged the place I would stay at. It was lucky that his family had a mansion there and they rarely visited it. Paul helped me too. He hacked into the US government sites and faked my identity. He sent me a fake ID, a fake passport, and opened a bank account for me to which he transferred my money. He enrolled me into a high school nearby, and that very next Monday, I started my dream life. Everyone was excited about the kid who was transferring in the middle of sophomore year, and I made a bunch of friends. They were all curious about the accent. I got a job at a car wash. I knew I had to sell the idea that I was just a normal kid, and I didn't want anyone suspecting that I was rich. I rode a bike to school and never invited anyone to the house. I joined the rugby team, and that's where I met Damien. I had a bad feeling about him from the moment we met, and that was immediately confirmed when during tryouts he never even needed to play. I just saw his dad talking to the coach and he was immediately accepted. Not only that, he became the captain. The rookie got promoted on his first day. It was unbelievable. I started dating a girl who sat behind me in Spanish. Her name was Laura. And I guess, for some reason, Damien considered me his rival. Probably because, even though he was the rugby captain, he was the worst player we had. And I was the best. Yo, introduce me to that girl you're seeing and I'm gonna bench you the whole season. No thanks, find your own girlfriend. <laughs> I don't like her, I just wanna see you squirm. Bugger off, Damien. Or what? What if I tell everyone your little secret? Your majesty. It's your royal highness, you ignorant... Wait, what? Oh, yeah, I know all about you. I read the news, and your disguise is awful. Now give me your girl's number, or I'll ruin your little vacation. One phone call and your family will come scoop you up and take you back to where you belong. I had no choice, and I guess it turned out to be the right move. Because as soon as Laura found out that Damien was rich, she jumped ship like I was the Titanic, and she showed her true colors. I asked her to talk about it, but she dumped me in a text, told me she couldn't meet up because she had a family thing. Come to find out, she was at the same Halloween party as I was that very same night. Only, she had a date. Damien. Unsurprisingly, I was furious. Don't act so surprised, Henry. Did you really think I'd stay with you now that I know Damien wants me? You're literally penniless, an orphan, and you have a weird accent. Nobody really bothered with how I sounded until then. But when Laura said it, everyone laughed. And from that moment on, the kids at school would just chuckle every time I talked. They would imitate me, and they were bad imitations too. They spoke like chavs and not in the same accent as royalty like me would have. But I didn't want to stick out even more than I already did, so I just kept my head down and laughed it off. I wanted to live this life. I wanted the American high school experience that I saw in the movies. But when Damien took it too far, I had no other choice but to reveal who I was. We went to a lake for camp that year, and weird things kept happening. Kids complained that their stuff kept going missing, and it wasn't just small things either. One kid had a laptop stolen, another had her earrings taken from her while she was sleeping. About ten other kids got their phones stolen. Damien, with the help of my ex, spread rumors that I was the one taking the other kids' stuff during summer camp. He's the only poor one here. He works at a car wash. He clearly needs the money. Yeah, Damien's right. I couldn't just let it stand anymore. Why would I need your silly trinkets? I'm literally a prince. <laughs> He's delusional now too. Stop spewing nonsense and give us back what you stole or we'll call the cops. I'm Prince Henry. You have the internet. Google me. Everyone laughed at me and called me Loopy. Damien knew the truth, and he just kept lying and lying. I couldn't hold it in anymore. 
I lunged at him. We tussled and rolled around on the forest floor. You lying scumbag! Tell them! Tell them you know it's true! You cheat, you lie, and you manipulate my girlfriend to be with you, even though you don't even like her! What? Liar! Laura joined in on the scrap. She started pulling me away from Damien, and the crowd was closing in on me, demanding me to cough up their stuff that I didn't have. Enough! I thought I was hearing things. I thought I'd somehow teleported home. But when I looked up, it was really them. Jude, Lucas, and Paul were looking down at me, parting the crowd and reaching down to help me off the ground. How dare you treat a prince like this? Yeah, if we weren't in America, you lot would be charged with treason. What? Why are you here? We've got holidays too, mate. And what better way to spend them than to join you on your little adventure? I finally took my disguise off, and everyone gasped. They realized I wasn't lying. For some odd reason, people started bowing. Some curtsied. It was very weird. And at that perfect moment, Damien's bag burst. It must have torn from when we were rolling around in the dirt. And ten phones, a pair of earrings, and a few laptops were spewed everywhere. Even I was shocked. All along, it was him. The parents were called, but after scolding Damien for what he did, they didn't press charges. It was all thanks to his dad. He knelt in front of the parents and begged them not to ruin his son's future. It turns out they weren't rich anymore. The dad had lost all their money in a pyramid scheme, and Damien was determined to keep up appearances so he would regularly steal and shoplift. The moment we heard that, Laura immediately broke up with him and came running back to me. But I rejected her, but she kept showing up at the mansion. One day, she managed to break in and found me, Lucas, Paul, and Jude lounging at the pool with all the popular girls, who now wanted to date my friends and me. I... I'm sorry. It's all my fault. I was blinded by his promises, and I thought he was rich. Ah, a gold digger who admits it. Ha <laughs> ha, that's rare. You should defo get back with her. Okay, on one condition. Do everything I tell you. As you can see, this house is huge, and I'm gonna need a maid. Say that again. Your voice is music to my ears. And you said my accent was weird. What? No. No, your accent isn't weird. I love your accent. All right, go fetch me a bottle of water. Chop, chop. She ran faster than I'd ever seen anyone do so. And when she returned, she was carrying a bucket of ice, from which she fished out several brands of the fanciest of bottled waters. I made her clean the house for an entire week. I made her cook me breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I made her walk my dogs, and she did all of that with a smile. But I knew her real motives. She thought she could land a prince and become a duchess. That's all she was after. So, after I'd punished her thoroughly, I locked her out of the mansion. I stationed 20 guards to make sure she never broke in again. I posted photos of her desperately waving at me from outside the gate. She became a laughingstock. The most satisfying thing was having celebrities over and dating a movie star while Laura watched from afar. The life she could have had if she wasn't so obsessed with fame and fortune. I did fall in love during my time in America. She was a simple girl from the country. She grew up on a farm and had no evil ambitions. Her name was Stacy, and when she and her family visited me at Lucas's mansion, I made sure I kissed her as Laura watched, and I saw the hope in her eyes fade as she regretted every decision she made. My name is Alan. I have a wife and two young daughters. I'm just an ordinary man who has a boring office job. But what I'm about to tell you is something incredible. For this story, I need you to open your mind as much as you can. I won't judge you if you don't believe me. To tell you the truth, if my family hadn't gone through what I have, I wouldn't believe myself either. It all started when we moved into this house where my parents had lived all their lives. My mother had recently passed away and the house was uninhabited. We decided that what she would have wanted was for us to live there, to fill the house with new and beautiful memories with her granddaughters. What we didn't know was that we were not going to be alone. At first, we only heard strange noises in the house. 
The children would tell me that they saw people walking around at night, that the doors would open and close by themselves, or that the doorbell would ring by itself. I can't deny the noises, but the kids had never lived in a big house, so the rest was probably a product of their imagination. After a while, even I could deny what was happening. Doors opened and closed on their own without the slightest drop of air running through the house. The faucets opened and some rooms were freezing in the middle of summer. All this would have been enough for me to leave except for one detail. I was sure that the presence that inhabited the house was my mother. At first, I was afraid, but eventually I began to hear someone humming a familiar song. It was the same one my mother used to sing to me when I was little. My family didn't seem very convinced of this, but I convinced them by making them see what was going on in the house had never hurt any of us in any way. Everything was fine for a while. We tried to get used to what was going on, but things started to get worse. Some dishes started flying dangerously against us. The kids felt constantly watched, and even I started to get a strange feeling that something bad was going to happen. Was my mom mad about something? Or was there something else in the house? We had only one way to find out. Ask her. The day we chose to do it was Halloween, since that was the night when all the spirits are most active and all the paranormal activity increases. We bought an Ouija board with my wife and no one looked at us worried. Apparently, everyone bought them for this date. When the night came, the girls went to a friend's house to spend the night and ask for candy. So the house was only for me, my wife, and my brother, who proposed to help us with the process. Playing with the Ouija board on Halloween. How fitting, right? Make one more joke and I'll go trick-or-treating with the girls. <laughs> Mothers-in-law are really scary, aren't they? <laughs> Without further words, we started to play. We started asking her simple questions like if there was someone on the other side or if she lives with us in the house. But when we asked her if she was my mother, the board went to no and the mood changed immediately. Alan, it said no. Is my mother with you? Well, can we talk to her? Alan, I don't like this. We should get going. What do you want from us? B... L... O... Oh, D. Before I could say anything, the board shook much harder and suddenly it launched itself at me. To hell with saying goodbye! Let's go! My brother screamed in terror as we all started to run. The house began to shake and all the paintings fell down. We reached the exit door and everyone ran to the car, but I stopped. Behind me, I heard my mother humming the lullaby. Alan, what the hell are you doing? Let's go! No, I have to check to see if I see my mom. Wait for me! I promise I'll be right back! Just let it be! That is not mom! Without hearing them yelling at me to come back, I went back into the house. Maybe it sounds crazy. Hell, it was probably crazy. But I wanted to hold on to the slim chance of seeing her again one last time. I went into the room where we played Ouija and the light in the next room, the kitchen, began to flicker. I stood in the dining room, looking at her, and there she was. My mom, upon seeing me, stopped humming the song. I was about to hug her, but I felt something strange that prevented me from going. But at the same time, my body was totally paralyzed, and I could only stand there looking at her. She never was, just something that played with me from the beginning. I got in the car crying, and as Cheryl was scolding me, I looked at the window of the house, and standing in it was my mother standing there, greeting me with a huge smile. Her eyes and mouth were cooked as she finished waving at me. Her face was shaking, like the monster I had seen in the kitchen. 
Several months passed since everything happened. After my brother put us up in his house, we were able to raise the money to move out on our own again. We did not suffer any paranormal event again, nor did we try to sell that house. We do not wish that nightmare on anyone else. From now on, no more ghosts. I will only spend time with my wife and daughters. It's what my mother would have wanted. You mean what? What the you want? <laughs> Hello, man. Oh, my God, <laughs> Hey, guys. I hope you're enjoying the video. If so, please leave a like. And also, a small percentage of people that watch my videos are actually subscribed. If you want to support this channel and make this channel reach the 1 million mark, please consider subscribing. It's free, and you can change your mind later. Enjoy. This incident happened one Halloween night. Since then, I have stopped celebrating Halloween in my house. My wife and I couldn't have children of our own. Hence, we generally had a soft corner for kids. My wife, Samara, would buy lots and lots of candies before every Halloween to give to the neighborhood kids. So this one Halloween, we went to the supermarket to pick up groceries and candies. While returning home, we saw cop cars in front of our neighbor's house. Feeling curious, I stopped the car. Oh, I think something bad has happened here. So many cops here. Look, the paramedics are coming too. My wife pointed at the ambulance coming our way, and I realized the gravity of the situation. A group of people were decorating the streets for Halloween, but now they were all gathered around the house watching the scene with us. Two cops came out of the house, and we heard a woman's shrill cry. Oh, God, my son, my poor Liam. Oh, God, I want him back. I want him back, please. We saw our neighbor, Mr. Dempsey, trying his best to hold his paranoid wife. Miss Dempsey was out of control. She was screaming and crying like hell. The paramedics went in. The paramedics went in and took out a smaller boy that was wrapped in black polythene. It wasn't hard to tell from the size of the boy that it belonged to a child. The cops took away the body and Mr. and Miss Dempsey went to the paramedics. My wife and I were still standing there with no clue whatsoever. When we saw two men coming our way, I asked one of them. Excuse me, what happened here? Oh, don't ask, man. Poor Dempsey's. They lost their child before Halloween. What? Why? What happened? Uh, the seven-year-old son was playing in the basement when he accidentally locked himself inside an old cupboard. Mr. and Mrs. Dempsey were upstairs in the kitchen when they called out to their son for dinner and he didn't show up. They felt weird and went down to check on him. They searched the entire basement but couldn't find him. That's horrifying. How did they find him then? Well... Mrs. Dempsey saw a piece of blue cloth peeking out from the cupboard door. She opened it, and then found the poor, lifeless kid inside the cupboard. Samara got emotional, and I too felt extremely bad for the Dempseys. No pain in this world could surpass the pain of losing your child. We came home, and Samara didn't talk the entire afternoon. She just sat on our porch and watched the neighbors dressing up for Halloween. Once the sun went down... Kids started to come out of their houses wearing all kinds of spooky costumes. They went door to door asking for candies. No matter how disheartened we were, we still got up, brought our candy bowls, and gave them to all the kids who came trick-or-treating. You know, Jonah, I just realized something today. Samara said while closing the door after distributing the last bit of candies to a group of kids. What's that, hon? It's good that we don't have kids. At least I don't have to be afraid of losing them. I just can't imagine what pain Mrs. Dempsey is going through right now. I could see her teary eyes. I hugged her and kissed her on the forehead. Come on, let's go to bed. You need to sleep. That poor kid. We went upstairs. I stood in front of the bedroom window for a while. The entire neighborhood had gone quiet by the time. All the kids were back home. Every house was glittering with lights and candles placed inside pumpkin heads except the Dempsey's. Their house was in complete darkness. Heaving a sigh of sorrow, I went to bed too. I don't remember when I fell asleep, but suddenly, a noise woke me up. Rubbing my eyes, I got up on the bed and heard that noise again. Someone was knocking on the door. I looked at the clock. It was 2.30 in the morning. Samara was deeply asleep. I came downstairs and opened the door. To my surprise, a kid was standing on my porch. A boy wearing a blue t-shirt and white shorts. 
He kept his head down so I couldn't see his face. Hey, kiddo. Why are you out so late? Do your parents know you're here? No. The kid's voice sounded so weird to my ears. Also, the fact that he was dressed so casually startled me a bit. After all, it was Halloween, and this kid was not in a costume. I asked again. Are you all right? As the kid lifted his head, I almost got a heart attack. His face was pale like a blank sheet, and his eyes were completely black, darker than the darkness. Whoa, you look pretty spooky. This was a good idea for a Halloween costume, though. I'm hungry. Can I have some candies? He opened his palm, saying this. You're a little late, buddy, but uh, let me see what I can do. Wait here, okay? The kid tilted his head to the right and just stood that way like a statue. I thought to myself that this kid not only nailed his Halloween look, but also acted scarily. I went to check the fridge and found a half-eaten chocolate bar. I grabbed it and came back to the door to give it to the kid, but he was gone. Thinking the kid had gotten inside, I quickly turned around and said, Hey, I have some chocolate for you. Take it and go home. Your parents must be worried. But the kid was nowhere to be seen. I was contemplating what just happened when I heard chuckling and running footsteps in our basement. I opened the basement door and yelled, Come out of there, kiddo. It's too late to play here. Come on, let me take you home. I can't see. It's so dark in here. Just like last time. I turned on the basement light, but shockingly, it didn't turn on. I remember very well that the light was working just fine in the afternoon. Thinking the kid might get scared down there, I grabbed a small flashlight and started walking down the basement stairs. Two white bedsheets were hanging on the wire at the end of the basement. As I flashed my light at the gap between those sheets, I saw the kid standing there and staring at me with a creepy big smile. Okay, time to go home now. Saying this, I walked to the bedsheets, and as I moved them to catch the kid, the hair at the back of my neck stood up. I found myself standing alone in the basement. It was as if the kid just vanished in thin air. There was no one. I repeat, no one behind those sheets. A chilling wind turned the atmosphere around me cold. That's when I heard the chuckle once again. Turning around, I now saw the kid standing right behind me. Blue veins had appeared on his pale face, and the black thick liquid was dripping down from his eyes. He snatched the chocolate bar from my hand, and I felt his touch. His hands were colder than ice. What? Who are you? I am Liam Dempsey. Can you take me home now? I think I'm lost. Can you help me? <laughs> oh my god! That's it. I don't remember after that. I fainted, and Samara found me in the basement when she came looking for me in the morning. She was surprised and kept asking me why I was sleeping on the basement floor the entire night. But I couldn't tell her what I saw. I often heard about these black-eyed kids, but it was my first time with a real one. I don't know why poor Liam turned into a black-eyed kid, but I think the fact that he died in darkness somehow made him look that way. What do you think? Do you really know how much a traumatic situation can break a child? Sometimes it's hard to admit, but my own father is a disgusting monster. When I was young, although he was never particularly fond of me, he didn't treat me bad either. On the other hand, with my sister, that man was different. Ever since Jane was born, six years after me, our father was always very close to her, pampering and overprotecting her all the time. Our mother thought she was just daddy's spoiled daughter. But two years ago, we found out what he was really doing to her at the time. Something that shouldn't be done to a child. Soon, mom denounced him, and so he left our lives. But my sister had already been very affected. As a 10-year-old girl, Jane suffered from fits of rage and was very emotionally dependent on her family. More on me than our mother. 
she didn't like to play with other children or leave the house. In fact, when she saw another man, she would start screaming. For two years, Jane had been receiving therapy. She had even changed her psychologist several times. But her case was progressing slowly. Still, our mom didn't want my sister to be given any kind of medication. Adam! I'm here, in the kitchen. Uh, what's going on? Why didn't you wake me up? You're having breakfast without me? Oh, chill out. Even though I asked her to, her angry expression didn't change. You were sleeping so peacefully, I, I didn't want to... Anyway, I, I prepared your food, okay? Do you like leaving me alone? You know I don't. I, I just did it to let you rest, I think. Right. I needed to rest, because today is Halloween. But you don't even like to go out. I'll wait all night for you to bring me my candy. <laughs> uh... It was common for me to do that on Halloween. And in fact, I like to bring her candy to make her happy. But that year, I had different plans. I'm sorry, little one, but tonight I won't be able to make it. But what about my candy? I'll buy you some tomorrow. It's not the same. What are you going to do then, huh? The truth was that, weeks ago, my best friend Billy had invited me and Emma, another friend, to a Halloween party. Are you going out with Emma? I'm going out with my friends. It'll just be this time, okay? In the evening that same day, I was ready. I had disguised myself as a skeleton. In fact, I was truly satisfied with my appearance. A short time later, I received a message from Emma. I'm outside your house, it said, since we had planned to go to Billy's Halloween party together. As I opened the front door of my house. <laughs> Looks good on you. I was going to say exactly the same. <laughs> Luckily, the abandoned house where Billy had planned to have the party wasn't too far away, but we had to cross a path through the woods. After a while, we arrived at an old building. It's pretty obvious it's here, isn't it? I mean, I can't remember the last time I heard so much noise. Oh, shut up. Let's have some fun. My friend took me by the hand, and together we ran towards the place. Arriving at the front door, she rang the bell. Soon, Billy opened it. Man, you came! Hey! Let's get to the point, Billy. Where are the drinks? Follow me! Oh. Can you check that, Adam? I'll be right back. I didn't mind helping him, so I turned and walked to the door. Huh? But there's no one... Shit! As a reflex action, I had moved away. But I went back to the door as soon as the bell rang again. What the hell? A, a fucking mask? The stranger stood still for a few seconds. Until suddenly, they launched towards the doorbell camera. Stop it already! <laughs> What's up, Adam? I thought you were going to open the door. It was a kid making a joke. If you say so, come on! Don't you want to dance with Emma? I put aside what had happened and walked over to my friend, who was already dancing in the crowd. Adam! I joined her, which really relaxed me, as moving my body to the music with was quite fun. Until I saw that person again. The broken doll was now inside the house, separated from the other people. What's wrong? I think there is a child at the party. A child? <laughs> In the blink of an eye, my friend's expression changed to one of fear. Uh, Emma? When she fell to the ground, I could see that she had a knife stuck in her torso. Uh, Emma! Uh, Billy, come here! My friend came after a few seconds when the people around were realizing what was happening. Shh! What happened? I... I don't know! What the fuck are you waiting for? Call an ambulance! I took my cell phone out of one of my pants' pockets, but I couldn't concentrate. I, I can't do anything with such loud music! Well then go upstairs, genius! It didn't take me long to walk among the people until I reached the stairs of the house and went up to the second floor. I typed the emergency number and was about to call. Adam. What? The broken doll was there, coming up the stairs in an oddly wobbly way. Did you like what I did to Emma? What the? My heart started beating fast when I saw the person had a knife in their hand, so I decided to run along a hall, enter a room, and lock the door. Adam, I need you. I could barely see in there. What the heck? What the heck? You are there, aren't you? Get out! I need you! 
Is, is this a fucking joke? I'm calling the police. The police? What for? Forget that. I need you. Let's go for my candy together. My skin got goosebumps the moment I realized. Jane? I'm not afraid to go out anymore. I can take care of anyone who wants to hurt me. <laughs> you saw it yourself. My sister was too young to go to jail and broken enough to be sent to a mental hospital. So that's where she is now. After the attack, I did my best to apologize to Emma. But that didn't make it any better, as it had been too traumatic for everyone involved. Sometimes it's hard to admit, but I don't miss Jane. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.